survey ADPs and say, you know what? These are my favorite players. These are my favorite picks. I want this one and this one and this one at each part of the draft. Well, guess what? Hayden Winks and I do the exact same thing. So today, these are the eight names that we want to leave every single draft with. Simple concept, simple show, Hayden. You're just going to give everyone your secrets. That's it. Yeah, we went through the draft guide. We looked at ADP and looked at our own rankings, and we took an unbiased look of like which players we are ranking higher than, and we now have to talk about them. We are going through kind of down the draft board, so it's not just all players with top 50 ADPs, not all sleepers. We're kind of going to go through every part of the draft. The thought is we'll get you through like the first eight rounds, and yep. then the, the second half is remember these names when you're blacked out drunks with your friends uh, in your home league. You're like, oh, DJ Chark. Like, all you have to remember is DJ Shark. Hayden mentioned that we have rankings. There's a free draft guide linked in the description down below. Go and check it out. It's cheat sheet. It's really everything that you absolutely want. Must have players, players to avoid, all that good stuff. You can find out more again in the description down below. And really, these are the players that almost we are drastically different than ADP then versus everyone else. We'll get into more of that as we go along. Okay. As Hayden said, some early round names, middle round names, and late names that we just are drafting way too much. And we have to start off with a player who's going at 17 overall, running back 10. His name is Saquon Barkley. Hayden, true or false? The only reason Saquon Barkley is going in the middle of the second round is one, injury concern, and two, a pessimistic outlook of the Giants. Because he has the two things that we really look for with running backs, right? He's not in a split backfield, and he catches passes. Yeah, and he's done it before. You know, like that's the other thing is I've I've seen him be a top five fantasy running back. So I want to be buying him in the second round. You and I our combined rankings have him at 14th overall. I can see him getting to this 10th overall, 12th overall kind of range here in a second. I think the the case is clear. Last year he was coming back from his ACL tear. He was not confident on it. Then he has a high ankle sprain and he just never looked right. And like if your argument for fading Saquon Barkley is that he wasn't very good last year. I agree, but we have a healthy offseason. There's a couple of quotes that he said uh, earlier uh, in minicamp, and he said, I haven't really moved around like this since college. I'll tell you I feel a lot better uh, than I did last year. Like you said, I was rehabbing. My body feels good. My body feels strong. Strength back. I feel like I got my speed back. I feel like I can trust my knee again, trust in myself to make plays and not think about it. So just Saquon Barkley's telling it. All the training camp reports have been positive. Like you mentioned, Matt Breed is making like a – uh, a million dollars less than the best ball mania three winner. And it's just going to be him out there. And I think we, the next discussion we can have is about the, the overall team just looks a little bit better. Sure. Like it's not perfect, but it looks better than it did last year and the year before that. Yeah. Let's say in the optimistic outlook first, before maybe answering some questions that people are shouting at their screen right now, first, it's an improved offensive line for the giants. I mean, I cannot overstate these two changes for New York enough. Andrew Thomas, we rounded into form last year. Evan Neal is going to make running on the edges, especially to the right side. So dangerous for the giants. And we know that Saquon Barkley is so good at once, you know, passing the levels of the first and second grouping of defenders, getting to the sideline and really outrunning anyone. So that's the first one. The second is Brian Dayball's play calling. I mean, in Buffalo, it was all about spotlighting the top talents, spreading it out and really letting playmakers make plays. But if you go back and look at Brian Dayball's, I think lone season of calling plays at, at Alabama, their talents were a running quarterback and a stockpile of five-star running backs. And he ran the shit out of the football. Yep. You know, like 
I believe he's sitting back and saying, man, Kadarius Tony's pretty good. We've paid a lot of money to Kenny Galladay. We're going to figure out what we have with Daniel Jones. But if Saquon Barkley looks like a top five running back in the league, we're going to give him 300 touches. We're going to give him 275 touches and allow him again to not be in a split backfield. And Hayden, if we're looking at the backs that are being drafted right around Saquon Barkley on underdog right now, again, it's running back 10, running back nine, Aaron Jones split. DeAndre Swift, running back eight, split, you know, even up there. Austin Eckler might have a bit more of a split backfield. Javante Williams just being drafted after him as a split backfield. I'm going to go out and allege and say, other than Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley might have the best opportunity or workload in the NFL this season if he remains healthy. And that's a tag on the end of it where I'm not one that is going to bank on fluke injuries to happen once again like it happened last year and he's now more than a year removed from a significant knee surgery yeah i think he's gonna be healthier and the the brian dable offense it morphs to their skill players and it's always fast they've been top 12 in neutral pace in the last three years that's brian dable going back with the buffalo bills saquon's gonna be at the goal line when this defense is going to be giving up a lot of points this year, it's not a very good defense. Saquon Barkley is going to be there in uh, the two-minute drill, passing down situations. He can catch 80 passes again this year, no problem at all. And I think they're just going to see a little more creative type of offense. I think this Giants offense will go from unwatchable yep. to probably below average, but at least watchable. And Saquon Barkley is going to not going to be leaving the field at all. So I think that he has a chance to be like a top five overall player this oh, yeah. year, and he's going in the second round right now. People watching this, if you're watching on the end of August, he might now be that, again, 11th, 12th, 13th overall selection versus 17 overall where he is going right now. And people talk about age all the time when it comes to running back position. This surprised me. He's the fourth youngest running back drafted in the top 10 at the position. You know, a lot of older guys are being drafted ahead of him. It's just what's in our mind from last season when he had two softballs on either side of his ankle. And by the way, one quick final thing. Yeah. We've seen Saquon thrive on bad teams before, too. Yes. You know, being shut out on seven, eight, nine straight carries. But then he had it in his back pocket to reel off that 40, 50, 60 yarder on one reception or, or one run to the edge. What if, again, the Giants running game, the offensive line, the offense is just better than it's been in the past? And I think that's more likely than having to rely on the big play every single week over and over and over again. Not only is he younger than a lot of the players going after him, the other running backs that he's going after all also have injury concerns. Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler's missed times. He's an undersized guy. Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook's shoulder has been in and out of socket right. a million times before. Every running back, guess what? If you're touching the ball 250, 400 times in an NFL season, you have injury risk. You are playing for the upside here. And I think Saquon Barkley, because like you said, he can play on the field 70% of these snaps. And we, we've mentioned this a bunch of times on this podcast there are very few running backs that even get to 60%. And I think Saquon Barkley could be a tier above that. Five last year, only one at 70%. And I bet, I bet he hits it this year. Okay, so we go from 17 overall down to 44 overall. It's Allen Robinson. And technically, Hayden, in the past, as a wide receiver 21 now being drafted, uh, we really haven't found much success in big-time veteran free agent signings at the position right but i'm really searching for answers in all the names that are being stacked after the wide receiver 15 when it's you know both charters wide receivers and dj Moore go off the board and the two names that stick out to me the clearest are gabriel davis and alan robinson i'll also throw in Cortland sutton and maybe terry mclaurin in there but i keep coming back to a rob because if we talk about a great offense a player who has 
proven production in his past and a quarterback and a fit for his skill set, and namely in high value targets, Allen Robinson, I would could easily, easily hear the case for him being the unanimous wide receiver 16 in drafts. And that's five spots higher than he's going to ADP right now. We have him 41st overall. That's before this Van Jefferson minor knee surgery. Sounds like Van Jefferson probably is going to be around week one, week two, somewhere in that range. Not fully time to panic, but that's another reason to move Allen Robinson up the rankings. Uh, We've had lots of reports coming out that Allen Robinson is well-liked by this Rams uh, organization. And I think that you can make a pretty good argument that Allen Robinson was misused last year on the Bears. I saw way too many slants. I saw way too many really shallow uh, in-breaking routes. And Allen Robinson's game is downfield... uh, and contested catches. And I think that's where you're going back to some of these Odell stuff in the red zone and how often they throw the ball down there. So it seems like the perfect fit, uh, the, the backside dig, we're going to hear that a million times with Allen Robinson. And I do think that reception perception and my own eye tests. Uh, hmm. When I went back to watch Allen Robinson this year, he didn't look that washed to me. It was just such an anemic offense. Justin Fields was struggling so much. Uh, the bears were down so, so bad. And they were using Allen Robinson uh, like on a route like that, which like, yes, he can do an option route four yards down the field, but like, that's not his strength. He can do it. It's not his strength. So get him in the, the, the position to win. They're going to be top five in pass attempts this year. The only concern I possibly have with Allen Robinson right now is this Matthew Stafford elbow injury. We, we haven't talked about this much. Yep. He, it's still a problem right now. So like that, that's something to monitor. But for right now, I'm assuming that Matthew Stafford's going to uh, be limited in training camp and he's going to be totally fine. Once the, the pads get on, there's a very, uh, determined dude and i think that alan robinson is going to benefit the elbow injury is on my radar that's pretty much the most i can say about it right now matthew stafford is not participating in team activities but he is throwing in individual drills we're already seeing some of those red zone looks that odell beckham thrived with last season with matthew stafford and like as you said the backside player the x is so critical in the rams offense for two reasons one between the 20s Matthew Stafford is so willing to hang in the pocket and hit those backside digs at a higher level than just about anyone in the league. And so with a good offensive line, with a play caller, especially a receiver on the front side like Cooper Cup, boom, get to your third read, and Allen Robinson is right there in the space in the gap of the defense. And second, people know this, you know this, it's time to talk about targets inside the 10-yard line. No team throws the football more in this area of the field than the Los Angeles Rams. And Odell shined there last year because he can win big. Remember those fades to the back pylon. He can win small, the quick slants, first two steps, generate separation, beat the man across his face, and boom, the ball is right there. Again, he had 12 targets inside of 10 last year. Odell Beckham did eight touchdowns. In fact, Robert Woods, before he got injured, had seven targets inside the 10-yard line. Like, it's pretty simple. If you want to create a monster of the 69 targets for Robert Woods that he had in nine games and the 48 targets that Odell had in his eight games with the Rams. Some of those weren't even, you know, long snap counts that he had. Um, That's going to be a lot of touchdowns. It's going to be a lot of high value target opportunities. And as you said, we've only heard ridiculous buzz from Sean McVay, Zach Robinson, and everyone else associated with this Rams offense when they talk about Allen Robinson so far. Yeah, it's actually been nuts. He's probably on the, the Mount Rushmore of positive news from training camp. Two other last notes. He is a positive regression candidate. In 2020, he caught 63% of his deep ball targets. Last year, that dropped to 33%. Obviously, a quarterback upgrade is going to help there. And then the other thing about Allen Robinson is we're not here to predict injuries. We don't want Cooper Cup to get injured. 
But if Cooper Cup misses some time here, that opens up 10 targets per game, and Allen Robinson's going to be the beneficiary of that. Right now, the number three receiver, Ben Skoranek, uh, Tutu Atwell, who I think Evan Silva just saw uh, blow away in the wind. And then it's like Tyler Higby, who's just been kind of a fantasy tease. Like, if something happens to Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson's going to be a consensus top 10 fantasy tight end. So you can't play for that, but that is within the the range of outcomes here. So I think that Allen Robinson is probably going to be like a boom-bust wide receiver two every week, but then there's a chance that he can turn into a wide receiver one. Well, and, and even if Odell is signed and plays in November, December, there's still going to be, one, the Rams are probably winning a whole bunch of football games, and Allen Robinson, because of that, will have a lot of production and he fits in every single build you know because he's going in round four you have um two running back starts single running back starts a tight end thrown in there however you want to do it have him as your third wide receiver if you want to again he fits in every single thing um that you want okay so we go from a running back to a wide receiver now we have to pinpoint one quarterback that we want and and why wouldn't his name be lamar jackson it's a forward-thinking show but last season, where everything went wrong for the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, both starting tackles gone. The top running backs with huge investments, zero snaps. They couldn't be multiple tight end because of injuries. I mean, Hollywood Brown had, what, nearly 30 deep targets and had just five receptions. The defense was decimated. Again, worst case scenario in every single angle you look at Lamar Jackson, he still finished as the quarterback eight overall in fantasy points per game. So now we're being able to get him at 49 overall. And he's actually surpassed Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback three on underdog fantasy. He had 11 healthy games in three of them. He scored 30 fantasy points. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And that was in a down season. I think that you can make a hell of an argument that their offensive line is way better. They return Ronnie Stanley at left tackle. They signed Morgan Moses in free agency. He's been a veteran forever. He's always been an above average player. They add Tyler Linderbaum, who's by far the consensus number one uh, center in the draft. I think this team is just going to look a lot better. I think Rashad Bateman fits better with Lamar Jackson, maybe than even Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown does. So I think that everything's uh, working in the direction for Lamar Jackson. And we've seen him be the quarterback one before. I think that he could have uh, a surprising MVP type of season here just because like you said, the defense is going to get better. I'm still not sold on the running backs being healthy. And I think that's actually a right. positive for, for Lamar Jackson. It either means he's going to have to run more or they're going to have to pass the ball more. And either way is good news for Lamar Jackson. So stack them up. You can go Mark Andrews in the second round. You can go Lamar Jackson in round four, Rashad Bateman, who we both like a lot in round five. And all of a sudden you have a huge, huge Raven stack. And we just saw a couple of years ago, Lamar Jackson had like 36 passing touchdowns. I know stacking is really important for correlation, but for someone with so much rushing potential, again, a thousand rushing yards in two seasons, seven touchdowns in each of those as well. Do you even have to stack a quarterback like Lamar Jackson? Because of those mentioned at the top of the draft, his is kind of difficult. Again, where you have to take Mark Andrews in round two, where Rashad Bateman is among those wide receivers flying up draft boards. It's, it's a little bit more difficult than it maybe was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I still think it's better to stack Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Just you don't have to do it with both. You can do it with one. And basically the rule of thumb is if Lamar, if you have Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman's there in the next pick, you're taking him. Like you're yeah. not, you're not going somewhere else. It's just auto going Lamar, then Rashad Bateman if he's available. So I think the question I asked myself with how I opened this is well, how can you go from being the unanimous basically MVP to what 36 passing touchdowns to what we saw last year? And Nate Tice wrote an awesome article in The Athletic about it. And basically, if you just look at certain situations, 
Lamar Jackson failed, and namely in empty formations. I mean, they basically had the same percentage in 2019 versus 2021, and his EPA generated from those formations was first in 2019 at 64.7, and then last year it was at 5.5, which is 41st in the league. And if you think about it, it's because in empty, you were relying so much on your offensive line. You're relying so much on your front five to keep things simple for you, to keep things clean, and to not have to worry about pressure. And against the blitz, everything crumbled as well. And again, I know that I bring up offensive line and success and continuity over and over and over again. This is a team that's invested so much in it. Heck, they've reinvested so much in it this past offseason and bring in Morgan Moses. And it's because last year's backups had to become starters. Now they have a, a lot of experience underneath their belt. But you bring back Ronnie Stanley and Linderbaum, as you mentioned, a couple pieces on the interior as well. There's so many possibilities here. Plus... Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews as a duo and being utilized in unison in terms of front side, high, low concepts, especially over the middle of the field. Lamar Jackson's gotten better outside the numbers and downfield too. I'm so in on the season. Everyone is. That's why he's so rich. And that's why he's being drafted over Patrick Mahomes. But it just makes sense from a standpoint of if we look back on the season, it's once again, scorched earth time for Lamar Jackson. Yep. Always bet on the Ravens. Good organization. Oh. Always bet on the Ravens. Okay, so I think those are three pretty obvious names. Again, Saquon, A-Rob, Lamar. The next one, and this might be a Hayden Wink special, Elijah Mitchell of the San Francisco 49ers. Just one, forget I even said that name, okay? And let me read a few things to you. I feel like the 49ers are telling us to trust Elijah Mitchell, yet no one wants to believe it. Because if you just look at what he did during his rookie season, if it was any other name there on the board, We'd be freaking out. We'd be super excited. 10 games started, 963 rushing yards. That was an average of 70% snaps played, 20 touches, and 100 yards. And we're getting that at 65 overall and running back 23. He had 17-plus carries in nine of his 11 regular season games. That came from the Jared Small podcast that we did a couple weeks ago. And in my notes, 14.3 half PPR points on uh, – 13.4 expected half PPR points. He was a 32nd overall player and better in best ball points per game. Last year, he's been called the shoe-in to be the starter. If you looked at any of the training camp reports, they're not even calling this rotation in training camp. Right. It's Elijah Mitchell with every single first-team rep, and then they're messing around with Trey Sermon. Uh, Ty Davis Price isn't getting any first-team reps, really. Jeff Wilson. These are like secondary options. And, and the thing that Elijah Mitchell does that those other backs do is hits the outside lane and busts it up field at top end speeds. And that's the, where you're going to get a lot of these big plays. And I think that Elijah Mitchell is being highly slept on because everyone's just looking at the history of the Kyle Shanahan backs. When we're, we're taking like a uh, Raheem Moster who weighed 195 pounds and saying that, Oh, he wasn't able to stay healthy. And we're pretending that Elijah Mitchell has like more of an injury risk than any other running back in this range. He, he was dominating last year. And like, I, as the biggest Trey Sermon fan on the, the face of this earth, I can tell you that Trey Sermon and Ty Davis Price and all these guys are secondary options. They want Elijah Mitchell to be the guy. I have some concerns with the offensive line, but Trey Lance is going to help uh, Elijah Mitchell even uh, open up even bigger lanes. And the fact of the matter is Elijah Mitchell is just too damn good. You know, he was a very impressive player, and I think he, sh he should get better in his second season. He added some weight 
to be able to uh, handle the workload. He was playing through broken ribs. We don't have to worry about toughness or anything like that. So to me, if if it wasn't just the the history of the Kyle Shanahan backfield, exactly. he would be a third round pick right now. And he's going after J.K. Dobbins and some of these other backs who who profile similar. Except this is the 49ers. The 49ers rushing game has been so dominated for five years. Like it's not going to be different this year. So bet on Elijah Mitchell if you want to take a flyer on one of these secondary backs. Go for it, but don't make don't like make that an anti Elijah Mitchell thing. So many things to hit on there. Number one, when you bring up a 49ers running back, people say you cannot predict how it's going to unfold the rest of the year. It was supposed to be Raheem Mostert last season. That's why they kept him in bubble wrap. And then he got literally hurt on his first touch of the season. But then again, we got Elijah Mitchell and we got Kyle Shanahan to rely on one single back. Again, he averaged 20 touches per game when he played a full workload. Insane stuff, okay? 2020, again, it was supposed to be Raheem Mostert, and he lasted eight games. And 2019, it was a three-way split between Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, and Matt Breida. Come on. Those names, I mean, come on. Give me a break I know. Here. Yeah. I think there's some context that people are missing. And also, when you look back at the history of Kyle Shanahan, he gave Alfred Morris 600 carries over two seasons in Washington. Then he gave... 265 and 227 carries in his two seasons with Devontae Freeman in, in Atlanta. Um, as you outlined, while they have spent, what, a third or fourth round pick on Trey Sermon, a third or fourth round pick on, on Ty Davis Price, still have veterans like there and, and Jeff Wilson. The reports say first team carries, Elijah Mitchell, 18. That's even coming off knee surgery this offseason. Trey Sermon, two. Jeff Wilson, one. He's being drafted around a ton of running backs with questions, a ton of them. Josh Jacobs, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne. We even mentioned some of those top 10 guys that are splitting workloads. Eliminate the name, eliminate the round, look at what he did, and actually Elijah Mitchell's workload is almost identical to the production that DeAndre Swift put out there last year, and Swift is the player that everyone loves at the one-two turn. And last note, Trey Sermon is the RB2 in that backfield right now. Just just <laughs> throwing that out there. Okay. So we go from Elijah Mitchell at 65 overall to a player that we've been advocating for all summer. Tight end Dawson Knox with the Buffalo Bills. Tight end 9, 104 overall in your program. What a career it's been. I mean, 39 total receptions in four years at Ole Miss. And now, this past season... Uh, 49 receptions, 587 targets, and nine touchdowns. He had the second most targets inside the 10-yard line among all tight ends. We are truly seeing what the Bills love to do, Hayden, and it's draft these players with a lot of potential and skills and then mold them into something. And at least watching the player, Dawson Knox looks like the type that can take a gigantic leap because his talent almost belongs with some of the top producers at the position. Yeah, I think he's an underrated player. Like you said, he's very athletic. That was his kind of MO coming out. And his ADP right now is, a, is 105. We rank him at 92nd. But last year, he was 71st in better in best ball points per game. And I think you can make a great argument that this overall depth chart is a little bit shallower at the wide receiver position, and that would benefit Dawson Knox. And even if we are going to pretend that the wide receiver group is as deep as it was, Dawson Knox was still fifth in routes run per game. He was second in expected touchdowns. He was the tight end three in routes run in the red zone per game. So, yes, he is a little bit of a, a negative uh, 
touchdown regression candidate. But at the same time, he kept being utilized down there. And you know why he scores so many touchdowns? Because his quarterback is Josh Allen. You know, so uh, I think there's a little bit of room for, uh, for improvement in one particular category. He was seventh in yards per out run versus man coverage, but he was one of the lowest in yards per out run versus zone coverage. And I think my theory with that is it's easier to get better against zone coverage the more that you develop, the more reps you have in the NFL. You got to find the soft spots in zone. And I think going into his fourth season here, he should improve on that. It's harder to to improve yourself just when it comes to overall just beating man coverage. That's just pure athleticism for the for the most part. And he just moves different than a lot of these players, including like yeah. Dalton Schultz, who goes right before him. Yeah. The context of where he's going at the position, I think, is really important. We've outlined maybe some potential hiccups we could see in Dalton Schultz's game because, look, his tape doesn't look like this, to be perfectly honest with you. Dalton Schultz is a volume sponge, and that's good. That 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 can be really good. But against man coverage, man, it's not even close. It's not even close between the two. And then T.G. Hawkinson, we've outlined some qualms we have there. Dallas Goddard with the A.J. Brown plus Devontae Smith attached to Jalen Hurts. And so my favorite thing to do, if I miss out, let's say, on those top four tight ends with Darren Waller, even top five with George Kittle, from 52 down to 105, where Dawson Knox is going, a huge gap. I'm okay with taking Dawson Knox six, eight, ten spots ahead of ADP because he is the one that I'm pulling all my chips into the middle of the table and saying, I expect a big jump here. And it only helps. That's just from a pure talent standpoint. It only helps that he's attached to the Buffalo Bills offense and Josh Allen in particular. And when touchdowns mean so freaking much for the position – We've already seen it happen with him, and that role is so key for them and what he's done for them last season. My Dawson Knox love is also a bet against the top five fantasy tight ends, top six, you're including Dalton Schultz here, just age concerns, target competition concerns, quarterback concerns, all of that stuff you have with the top five tight ends. If they are not performing at elite levels and they're just being average, Dawson Knox can get pretty close to even just averaging the same as a Darren Waller, a George Killer. You get that ADP discount, all of a sudden you're really cooking. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but does any team go empty out of 11 personnel as often as the Bills? I mean, they just love to spread out, especially with James Cook this season. Like that's going to probably be even more in their weekly wheelhouse. Okay, speaking of James Cook, let's talk about a uh, rookie running back here. It's so fun when we put together these rankings. Again, hopefully, one, you all subscribe to the channel. If you're not, take three seconds, hit that button down below. But two, when we do all these rankings, like I just feel like at times I live in a different world. I operate in a different universe than ADPs or other rankings out there because we're so much higher then consensus on Kenneth Walker, who's going as running back 36, 109 overall. And I don't want to just compare him to maybe his peers in Brees Hall, but people freaking love Brees Hall. There's talk of the New York Jets split backfield, one piece of it, vaulting all the way into the third round. Right now he's going 42nd overall, Brees Hall is. But does the love for one overshadow the other Hayden when just a handful of picks later in the real NFL draft Kenneth Walker went to the Seattle Seahawks fantasy Twitter hated Kenneth Walker so they're not gonna give him any credit here at all despite going four picks after Brees Hall their profiles to me looked very similar Kenneth Walker is not going to catch that many passes I'll give you that the offensive line for the Seahawks doesn't look that good but Kenneth Walker himself is an electric home run threat and I think later in the second half of the season he's gonna be a post by rookie bump candidate and I think that we can't expect Rashad Penny to stay fully healthy. And just look, going back to the Jets and Seahawks comparison, they're both projected to win five and a half games. So you can't pretend right. like this Jets offense is so much better than this, the Seahawks offense. Otherwise, they're uh, 
their win total would be way different. And it's just not the case. So I think Kenneth Walker, he's probably should be an RB3. You probably don't want to start him early on in your fantasy uh, lineups, but later in the season, he could end up being uh, an RB2. I think he has plenty, plenty, plenty of talent. He was an electric player, sub 4-4 speed, and his metrics at Michigan State were like truly off the charts. He almost won the damn Heisman. We have an ideal draft section in our draft guide. You can get Kenneth Walker all the time in round 10. Heck, even if you have to get to him in round nine, he's he's right there. He fits in every single build. If you start off with two running backs in the first opening four or five rounds, boom, he's your running back three. If you go zero running back, he's the perfect type who, if Rashad Penny stays healthy through the early parts of the season, Kenneth Walker is the sledgehammer that you want in the later parts of the season. And I, I get it. I love Brees Hall too. And the reason why the Jets have told us they drafted him is because of his home run ability. Well, guess who had the most 15 plus yard carries in college football last year? It was Kenneth Walker. Guess who also ran a 4-3 with a 10 foot broad jump? He had 20 plus yard carries in six straight games, like over 1600 yards. Like this is a player who also led the FBS in yards after contact and forced missed tackles last season in 89. Like, I understand if you believe that you can project the Seahawks just to be booty, to be bad, right? And their offensive line for the last 10 years feels like it has a whole bunch of questions. But I guarantee you we get to a point of the season, either because of his ability or because of other backs in that backfield, that we see Kenneth Walker a stretch of three, four, five games, could be even way more than that, where he gets 17 to 20-plus touches and he and he hits and he does really well because of it. And it's like that doesn't even matter to any of you. And it hurts my soul. Just being totally overlooked, Kenneth Walker is right now. Middle of the second round. Like that's like basically the equivalent of a first round pick at the running back position now. Like we have to like filter back. Like he was an excellent, excellent prospect. You don't really see this vision and, and jump cut ability too often. So he's gonna home run threat, boom bust pick for sure but you can see the upside here. I think it'll just take a month or two to fully get going here, but um, I think eventually it's going to he's just too good to deny. Too good to deny. I'm totally with you. And look, Pete Carroll's always want to run the football. Guess who's probably his best ticket at it? Kenneth Walker. The thing. And Jimmy G, I'm still holding out that Jimmy like G is going to ask for his release and go end up uh, in Seattle. I like that a lot. Um, by the way, if we just wanted to give you eight names in the top three rounds, we could definitely do that. We're trying to spread it out here. And so far, we've ranged from pick 17 down to pick 109. So you can refer back to this at every single point of your draft. Okay, just two more names left, both at wide receiver. And uh, we got to talk about George Pickens. Wide receiver 73 and ADP 162 overall. I give the floor to you, Hayden, because all the questions that I needed to be asked are already answered because it seems like from day one, George Pickens was slotted in there as a starting outside wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I mean, talk about a player with untapped upside here. And I think that there's just some weirdness going on with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool regressed in 2021. So I don't think that the target competition is as good as we think it is. And I think that George Pickens, if he is good, which I think we both agree that he is, the way he wins is like perfect for fantasy. He's never going to yep. come off the field. He wins downfield. He's a red zone guy. And that's how you get this better and best ball uh, type of profile. And I think that in maybe I'll take a, a month, two months, three months in your, in your redraft leagues to finally be in your starting lineup. But I think that there's a chance later in the season 
when they probably aren't going to come to a contract with Deontay Johnson. They're going to be pivoting over to, to, to Kenny Pickett. And all of a sudden, George Pickens is just going to be peppered with targets. I just think he's a really good player. He's a very boom-bust prospect, but... At 168th overall, there's a lot of players with zero upside. Like Jarvis Landry or George Pickens, come on. Like, yes, the median outcome from Jarvis Landry is higher, but are you going to win your league because of Jarvis Landry? No, there's a chance, a small chance, a small chance that George Pickens is the guy that you kind of need later in the season. Yeah, a lot of wide receiver threes, which technically George Pickens might be, were going in the same area in Van Jefferson, DJ Chark, KJ Osborne. Um at least how I view it now, I don't know why George Pickens and let's say Jamison Williams are 20 spots different in ADP. Um, I, I really like George Pickens. I think that he is the type, as you alluded to, if we do get once rolling to preseason and the regular season, like he's playing two wide receiver sets on the outside. Holy cow. There's a lot to work with. I am also intrigued, though, with Chase Claypool in the slot. I need to add that in because we haven't talked about that enough because at Notre Dame, Short receptions, crossing routes, allow him to barrel and um, really pick up steam with the ball in his hands. Exciting player. We've seen that in short yard situations near the goal line too. But just in terms of other players going around this area, I don't know if there's that many true X types to win on the outside that George Pickens offers in this space. And I bet he makes a play or two that really heightens this ADP. So this might be the cheapest we can get George Pickens for the next couple of weeks. All the training camp reports have been very positive, so I'm, I can't wait for the preseason. Okay, last one. Another one that makes me feel like I'm operating in a different world than everyone else is uh, DJ Chark. I mentioned Jamison Williams. He is going as the 145th overall player at wide receiver 66. Compare that to DJ Chark, wide receiver 69, 156 overall. One of these players is going to be out in the field in week one. One of these players is already grabbing the attention of the coaches and his teammates already out there. And technically, they both fit the same and similar mold of where they can help an offense. Yet Chark, the veteran, is just being totally forgotten. Yeah, and it makes no sense because he is like a better in best ball profile. They gave him $10 million this year, which is a lot of money. Uh, pretty surprising how much money he got there. And all the reports saying Jamison Williams could be out till Thanksgiving. They're playing it really slow. He's not dressing up in training camp. He's nowhere close to returning yet. And DJ Shark's been pretty productive. He averaged 61 yards per game the two seasons before Urban Meyer showed up. He's got an 8 out of 14 and 16.3 down the field. Uh, better in best ball profile. And I think the big thing is... Chris Burke from The Athletic and this, this steady drumbeat from all of the Lions beat reporters are just pointing, hey, DJ Chark, this this uh, coaching staff thinks that there's a little bit more to DJ Chark's profile here. He said it wouldn't be uh, a breakout as much as a bounce back, but don't forget about Chark as he moves from Jacksonville to Detroit. The Lions believe quarterback Jared Goff can be effective pushing the ball downfield. His best showings in LA came with Burner, Brandon Cooks in lineups, and Chark can challenge, def or challenge defenses deep. Uh, they just think there's a little more nuance here. And just the way that he wins is just downfield. And I think he's going to be there in two wide receiver sets. He only has to beat out Josh Reynolds, who's never been uh, a legit starter here. So I think that Jared Goff with better quarterback play, better coaching staff, uh, and the profile that we're looking for late in drafts. They literally don't have another player that is healthy right now that can stretch the field like DJ Chark. They sorely missed it last year. And that's why so many targets were really funneled to Amon Ross St. Brown. And to be honest with you, for a multitude of reasons, but one main reason that the Jaguars offense crumbled last year is because when Chark left the lineup, they had no speed. 
They had no explosiveness. They had no one to get down the field. So again, at wide receiver 69, you don't need that much to make this hit. What, four or five usable weeks? That would be insane. 2020, he gave you 53 catches for 706 yards and five touchdowns. That's not even talking about 2019 a few years ago. We need a thousand yards and eight scores. Like, I think he still has that skill set. I know it was really just a one-year deal that he got, but this, based on the moves that they made, the Lions identified their roster and said, we need speed for the long-term as Jamison Williams. Maybe Josh Reynolds can fill that just a little bit, but DJ Chark is the player early in for agency that we have to go out and get at a reduced price because he's just coming off an injury. And again, for an offense that has a great offensive line, a quarterback that will stretch the field when he does have protection and doesn't have to avoid pressure, DJ Chark at his price, at his ADP, makes so much sense to have a handful of big time games. And if you get more than that, damn, what an investment. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's for best ball in particular here. Like I'm not expecting consistent production out of him. They have too much target competition, but he will have 50 yard touchdowns this year. I can promise you that. And I think that uh, where he's going 168th overall, I mean, come on. And he was going like 180th overall, not too long ago. So uh, DJ shark, I think is going to, his ADP is going to keep climbing as the Jamison Williams stuff gets more solidified that he's going to be out multiple, multiple, multiple months into the season here. And the contract's too good to pass up on. All right. That's going to do it for us. Hayden, before we get out of here, though, the people in the chat want to know. The people watching this video after the show is over want to know. They want merch. How'd they get the merch? Yeah, go into the comments. All you have to do is two things. You have to let us know what your underdog username is. You have to be sub to the channel. And you have to let us know what your favorite NFL team is. We'll pick oh, out 15 winners uh, to celebrate 15,000 subs for you and I. Uh, all you have to do, like the video. Make sure you're sub to the channel. Username. Favorite NFL team will pick 15 names uh, and you'll one day open your front door and see a, a package from underdog. And team is important because the merch might be team related. Let's put it that way. All right. Thank you for being here. If you are new to the channel for the first time, go and check out all the other great content that we have here. We have player clips for individual analysis of certain performances. We also have, you know, full shows just like this one. Rich Rebar was recently on there. Jared Smola was on here as well. We've got plenty more on the way throughout training camp. Throughout preseason action was just about to gear up here in the next week and a half. Get ready because it's the tail end, but the most important part of that hot, hot best ball summer. All right, Bob, Doom, Tony, Ryan, Paul, KP, Anthony, thank you so much. Up the villa. We will talk to you all soon. See ya. <laughs>